It is over twenty-six years since I sat alone at a bedside table with paper and pen supplied to me by Trelliska Hospital in North Cornwall. Then I thought it important to record the facts, as I knew them, while they were still vivid in my mind. I was tired and overcome, but the words wrote themselves. The date was 15th of August, 1979, the day after the most shattering event of my life. This last quarter century has given me plenty of time to reflect on the longest fourteen hours of my life, which I shared with my friend and crewmate Jerry Winks aboard the yacht Grimalkin. Four days before, on the 11th of August, 1979, I had set sail on my first ever fastnet race, part of a crew of six men, David Sheehan, owner and skipper of Grimalkin, his son Matthew Sheehan, Gerald Winks, Mike Doyle, and Dave Wheeler. All of us on Grimalkin were excited and proud to be taking part in this six-hundred-mile offshore classic. The race began in near-perfect conditions, but on day three the unforeseen happened. Grimalkin, along with many of the other yachts, got caught up in the deadliest storm in the history of modern sailing. The fastnet race disaster of 1979 claimed the lives of fifteen yachtsmen, including two of Grimalkin's crew, David Sheehan and Gerald Winks. What happened during Fastnet 79 has been much written about, including a great deal of intrigue about the circumstances in which Gerald Winks and I were left for dead, abandoned by our shipmates at the height of the storm. I have seen little or nothing of the other three surviving members of Grimalkin's crew, Mike Doyle, Dave Wheeler, and Matthew Sheehan, over the last quarter century. The few days we spent together aboard Grimalkin have been written about, discussed and debated in the yachting press, on television, and by the media. But we, the remaining crew, the survivors, the four of us, have not spoken collectively, either in public or privately. I have always felt there has been some bad feeling, some uneasiness between us. Recently, during a television documentary, I heard Matthew say that he had felt closure. Like me, I am sure that he too, along with Mike and Dave, has his own perception of the events that took place on that god-awful August day. In the months following the disaster I gave several interviews. I know now that I never portrayed my true feelings, nor gave the full story. I was a twenty-four-year-old man in deep shock, and in no position to evaluate my situation objectively. Much of what I read about the circumstances surrounding my story caused me such pain that I simply wanted to block it all out. In 1980 I took the decision not to be interviewed again on the subject. Since then, every time a television company, a film company, or a journalist has knocked on my door asking for an interview, I have declined. That was until September 2004 when I was approached by a documentary filmmaker called Sinead O'Brien. She had by chance heard a story of how a young man had been abandoned with his crewmate in the Irish Sea. Of course, my first reaction to this approach was one of unwillingness. Now, though, I had begun to write for myself, not specifically about the fastnet race, but personal thoughts in the form of a journal. I discussed this new approach at length with my wife, Chris, and then I agreed to meet Sinead. She was interested in pursuing the story for a documentary or feature film, and had come across a video clip in which I was pictured with my dead crewmate Gerald Winks at my feet. The footage was taken moments before a Royal Navy Sea King helicopter rescue. Watching the streaming video on my computer screen brought back immediately, all too vividly, a slice of time buried but not forgotten.
I was shocked, overcome, and glad that Chris was with me.